Our scripture for today, uh, the first passage, is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23, <coughs> excuse me, through 26. You'll recognize these as the words that we, we read and, and say each uh, Sunday that we partake in communion. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then another passage from Isaiah 55, the first three verses. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. I want to begin with a question. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered if God loves you? Now, I know in church we sing about how much God loves us and we teach our kids the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so in Sunday school when they're young. We tell other people that, that God loves them. But have you ever wondered if God loves you? Ever had doubts? Perhaps there's been a time in your life where you feel like you keep screwing up, doing the same things over and over, a pattern in your life that you want to change. You make promises to God. You make promises to others. And yet you find yourself in the same old place over and over again. And you begin to wonder, does God really love me? Or does he love me less when I screw up? Well, today in our, in our passages, the two passages from Psalm 130 and Isaiah 55, we're going to look at these before we come to the table and take communion together. And I think they have something to say to us when we wonder if God truly loves us or if he loves us less than because of the mistakes in our lives. We're going to see that God hears our cry for help, that God offers us forgiveness and grace and mercy, and that God invites us to a deep, renewing relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And then in response to that, we're going to come to the table. We're going to listen to Jesus' invitation to come and and, and to eat and to taste and see that the Lord, the Lord really is good. So let's begin with Psalm 130. And David, King David, writes this psalm, and he begins with these words, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Right from the outset, we can relate, I can relate. I mean, who has not had the experience of, of bottoming out in life, struggling with depression, or their health doesn't, isn't going well, or a relationship begins to fall apart, the life was a mess, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. When I hear this phrase, out of the depths I cry to you, uh, I picture a, a deep, dark cave. And you go into this cave, and it's deep, and it's dark, and, and you get lost, and it's pitch black, and you don't have a light, your light has gone out. Out of the depths I cry to you. Or I picture a diver, a deep sea diver, and they're in the ocean and they're far, far below the surface. And they can't see the light above them. 
and they've lost the rope that leads them to the surface. The oxygen is running out, out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord. David, King David, knew what it was like to be in the depths. Remember his story? He knew the shame of committing adultery. He knew the guilt of arranging for her, his, his lover's husband to be killed. He knew the agony of his favorite son rebelling against him and then his son losing his life. He knew what it was to lose one's way spiritually and stray from the path you know is the right one. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. He said this in a different psalm. I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. And against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Another psalm, similar theme. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the, the mud and the mire. You know, growing up on a farm, we had a, we had a milk cow. And we kept her in this pen next to the barn. And we also had horses. And we'd bring the horses in at night. Uh, they'd be in the same pen and we would feed them there. And uh, it, was, it was beaten down and just kind of dirt. And, and when it rained, it was just a mess. It was mucky and muddy, the mixture of manure and the dirt. And it was just, just uh, wasn't fun to walk in, you know. It would get really deep. And especially if you're a kid, it was difficult. I remember more than once going in that pen to take in the hay or the, you know, or the, the oats or whatever. And... I would get kind of stuck and I couldn't lift my foot out, just kind of like almost like clay. And you, you try to pull your foot out. The only way to get your foot out uh, was to pull it out of the overshoe, which didn't leave you with a lot of options, right? You, you, you know, so the only thing I could do really was, was either to pull myself out somehow and get all mucky and dirty and, and messy, or I would wait for somebody bigger and stronger like my dad to come along and pull me out and put me on dry land. Spiritually speaking, the only real option we have in life when we get stuck, when we're really in it deep, is to wait for the Father to call out His name and to ask Him to come and and lift us up, to set us safely on solid ground. And David says He will do that. He says when we find ourselves in the depths, we're to call out to the Lord and He will answer and He will hear our cry. He will lift us up. The Bible promises that He will not leave us in the depths, that He won't forsake us. That he will not give up on us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. David says this in Psalm 130. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? The answer, of course, is nobody. But then he says, but with you, there is forgiveness. David again said, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so when we come to the table in a few months to take, to take uh, communion, we, we do not come in fear. We don't come presumptively, but we don't come in fear. We come with confidence. We come with gratitude and humility because we know that although God is holy and just and we are far from that, we also know that God is loving and compassionate and patient and that he has demonstrated his love for us through the cross. One of my favorite stories is uh, by author and speaker <coughs> Brennan Manning. <coughs> He's got an amazing story about how he got the name Brennan. His, he didn't grow up with, his last name was Manning, but his first name was not Brennan. And the story goes that he was growing up and his best friend's name was Ray. Ray Brennan. Now the two of them did everything together. They bought a car together as teenagers. They went to school together, double dated. They enlisted in the army. 
They went to boot camp together. They fought on the front lines together. And Manning tells a story that one night when they were on the front lines, they were sitting in a foxhole talking about the old days in Brooklyn while Ray was listening and eating a chocolate bar. And suddenly a live grenade came into the foxhole. And Ray looked at Manning. He smiled. He dropped his chocolate bar and he threw himself on the grenade. He was killed and Manning was spared. Manning was eventually called to ministry. He became a priest and he was instructed to take on the name of a saint. And he thought of his friend Ray Brennan. So he took on the name Brennan. And years later, he was visiting his his friend's mother, Ray's mother in Brooklyn. They were having tea one night. And Brennan asked her, "Do do you think Ray loved me? And Ray's mother got up off the couch. She shook her finger in his face. In his face. And she shouted, what more could he have done for you? And Manning said at that moment he had an epiphany. He imagined himself standing before the cross of Jesus wondering, does God really, does he really love me? And he pictured Jesus' mother Mary pointing to her son saying, what more could he have done for you? The cross of Christ is God's answer to the question, does God really love me? Am I important to him? Does he, does he care about me? And the cross, the answer is absolutely yes. So when we doubt God's love for us, we are to remember Christ's sacrifice for us and his offer of forgiveness. But while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us, that God demonstrates his love for us in that moment. So let's take a look again at Isaiah 55. I'll read it again. It's brief. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without, without uh, money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, come to me, listen, and you will live. Nancy and I have been married. My wife, Nancy, have been married for over 28 years now, May 12, 1990. I very vividly remember our wedding day. It was a beautiful May day in in Minnesota. Um, It was a fairly simple, straightforward ceremony and reception. We wanted to keep it that way, but we had almost 200 people there, family and friends. And a lot of work went into that. And like most couples, Nancy, being the bride, did the bulk, okay, 99%, of the preparation and, and the planning. My job was basically give feedback when asked and make sure I showed up in a tux. One of the things I did help with, however, were the invitations, namely, specifically, the licking of stamps and attaching them to the envelopes. I could do that. It was within my skill set. I did not mind, though. It was very tedious, but I did not mind because I wanted all of our friends and family to be there. We were so happy and excited, and we wanted them to share in our wedding day and the wedding feast, the reception that followed. The Bible tells us that someday that there'll be a great wedding feast, that Christ the bridegroom will receive the groom, his church, or excuse me, Christ the bridegroom will receive his bride, the church, his, his people. And God wants people to share in the joy of that experience. And God is not picky about whom he parties with. His goal is to include as many guests and many people as possible. 
His guest list is massive, and he has sent out his invitation. Listen to the words again from, from, um, from Isaiah 53. This is, this is wedding language, God speaking. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God is, is wooing us. He's courting us. He's promising that he will be faithful to us. That his love will extend to all who accept his invitation. And when the Lord of creation rings us up, and when the Savior of the world shows up on our doorstep, invitation in hand, how can we not respond? Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. God's invitation to come to him in faith is offered to all, but we don't know how long we have to respond. Seek the Lord, we're told, while he may be found. Now is the time. And spiritually, we've got to make sure about this. Unfortunately, sometimes people get their wires crossed. And God's invitation comes, and they think, okay, I'll go to church. It's, it's great to go to church. That's where we learn, we grow, we worship, we give, we serve, we're encouraged, we encourage others. But God's invitation is not primarily to come to church. Look again at verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. He's inviting us to the waters. What's he talking about? In John 4, remember the story, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well. And she offers him water to drink on a hot day. He drinks it and they talk. And then Jesus tells her this. Whoever drinks the water I give her will never thirst. God invites us to a person. To to Jesus Christ. Not to religious practice, but to a growing, permanent, committed, vibrant relationship with Jesus. God calls us to come to Jesus in whom our greatest thirst and hunger is satisfied. Listen to Jesus' words about himself in John 6. He said, I'm the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There are no no catches. Anybody is welcome. Regardless of age, gender, race, or socioeconomic status, all are welcome. All that's needed is a response to respond to Jesus. Heaven is going to be filled with all sorts of people. Listen to this description from Isaiah 56. God is saying, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. I wasn't born a Christian. Or or let not any eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Jesus is calling us, no matter what we've done, no matter what we do, no matter how we feel about ourselves, no matter what we think God may feel about us, Jesus comes to us and he offers us forgiveness. And so if you ever doubt God's feelings about you, look at the cross of Christ and see love. 